Welcome to Memory and Top 40 Music, where we revisit the top of the pop charts through the eyes of history. I'm Spoken Joe Williams. On Memory and Top 40 Music, we go back in time together using the Billboard charts to tell a few stories about the songs and the artists and hopefully strike up a memory or two, but also with an eye on what else was going on when these songs were hits. In this episode of Memory and Top 40 Music, we're taking a look back at the top 40 career of one of the greatest singers in history, the late Aretha Franklin. Just as we did back in Episode 3 with Tom Petty, we're dedicating this episode of Memory and Top 40 Music to a single artist. We'll approach it just as we do all Memory and Top 40 Music episodes, so this will not attempt to be a full career retrospective of Aretha Franklin, but instead, we'll focus on her top 40 success on the pop charts. August 16th has turned into a date not terribly kind to American pop culture royalty. Travel back to August 16, 1948. On that day, the Sultan of Swat, the great baseball star Babe Ruth, died. On August 16, 1977, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, died. Then, on August 16, 2018, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, died of pancreatic cancer. Aretha had health issues since 2010. She retired from performing in 2017, her final performance coming in November 2017 at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York for Elton John's 25th anniversary celebration of the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Aretha turned in a nine-song set that night. Aretha won the first nine Grammy Awards given for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. She sold more than 75 million records, hit the Billboard Hot 100 73 times, and was the first female performer inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She packed a lot of success into her 76 years, and we've got a lot of songs to cover. In fact, Aretha had so much top 40 success that we've made this a special double episode. The first of our two special Aretha Franklin episodes will take us from her first top 40 hit through 1970, with the second episode of our two-part Aretha Franklin tribute running from 1971 through her final top 40 hit in 1998. And don't you worry, we do have companion playlists on Spotify for each of these episodes. Before we get started, I want to take you back to episode 10 of Memory and Top 40 Music. In that episode, we looked back at the top 10 songs from the day of the U.S. Bicentennial, July 4th, 1976. You may remember our discussion of the number 3 song from that week, Misty Blue by Dorothy Moore. Well, we heard from Dorothy Moore, who told us that she was deeply elated over our discussion of her song, Misty Blue. She said it brought back great memories for her. Dorothy also pointed out that she recorded the song in just one take. That's pretty remarkable. Thank you, Dorothy Moore. It was great to hear from you. This is Spoken Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory in Top 40 Music. This is the first of our two special episodes on the late Aretha Franklin. Memphis, Tennessee can boast that on March 25, 1942, it was the birthplace of Aretha Franklin. Her father was a Baptist minister and her mother a piano player and singer. 
1944, the Franklin family moved to Buffalo, and then, when Aretha was four years old, the family relocated to Detroit. Aretha began singing at her father's New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit when she was 10. As a teenager, Franklin signed a contract with JVB Records and recorded her first songs at her father's church. The first singles released were Never Grow Old, followed by Precious Lord. In 1960, Aretha signed on with Columbia Records, though the legendary Sam Cooke tried to convince Franklin's father to have her sign with RCA instead. Franklin's dad also turned down an offer from the fledgling local Detroit label Motown because it was not yet established. Her first Columbia album, Aretha with the Ray Bryant Combo, produced her first release to make the Billboard Hot 100. That was It Won't Be Long, which reached number 76 in 1961. Later in the year, Aretha cracked the top 40 for the very first time with Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody. The song spent two weeks in the top 40 and topped out at number 37 at the end of November. Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody was first recorded by Al Jolson in 1918 and was from the Broadway musical Sinbad. Over the years, this song was recorded by an all-star list of performers, including Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Brenda Lee, Connie Francis, Bing Crosby, Sammy Davis Jr., and Nat King Cole. Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody also made the top 40 charts in Australia and Canada. Follow-up success to Aretha's first top 40 hit proved very elusive, as numerous releases and six years went by before Aretha next appeared in the top 40. The best she could do during those years on the pop charts was 1964's Runnin' Out of Fools, which got as high as number 57. She did have a top 10 hit on the R&B chart with Operation Heartbreak in November 1961. Though commercial success was eluding her, Aretha had become a very popular live performer. She also appeared with a couple of other songs on the adult contemporary and R&B charts, and performed on some rock and roll TV shows. But when the Columbia contract expired, Aretha signed with Atlantic Records, and gospel began to appear prominently in her music. This takes us to January 1967 when Aretha went to record in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. It turned into a one-day-only recording session due to a dispute between her husband, the studio owner, and a musician. But a song recorded that day was I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, which became her first Atlantic release and her first top ten on the pop charts. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You spent two weeks at number nine in April of 67, among its ten weeks in the top 40. It was also a number one R&B hit. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You was produced by Jerry Wexler, a former journalist on the music scene. Wexler is credited with coming up with the term rhythm and blues while working for Billboard magazine. It was at Wexler's suggestion that the magazine change the name of its race records chart to the Rhythm and Blues chart. In addition to working with Aretha Franklin, Wexler also produced songs for Wilson Pickett, Dusty Springfield, Bob Dylan, and George Michael. He was also one of the people instrumental in Atlantic Records signing Led Zeppelin. Wexler became a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. 
It was at that Muscle Shoals recording session that Wexler told Aretha to record a blues song. She later said that she was told to sit at the piano and sing. That was the day when the tide turned on Franklin's career. I'm Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory in Top 40 Music, and we're taking a walk through the Top 40 career of the late Aretha Franklin. It's time for our Memory Jogger feature, and in this installment of Memory Jogger, we'll remember a few key music figures who recently passed, in addition to Aretha Franklin, who of course is being featured in this episode of Memory in Top 40 Music. Joe Jackson the father and first manager of his singing Jackson children, died on June 27, 2018, at the age of 89. Joe Jackson was the driving force behind his sons signing a recording deal with Motown, and they became famous the world over. Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and Michael were together known as the Jackson Five. The Jackson 5 had 17 top 40 hits, including four number one songs, I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, and I'll Be There. Later, when Brother Randy replaced Jermaine in the group, they became known as the Jacksons and had seven additional top 40 hits. Then there was the solo success of Michael and Jermaine and their sisters LaToya and Janet. Joe Jackson's public image suffered over the years and several of his children were estranged from him. In 2014, Joe Jackson gained entry to the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame as a promoter and manager. Eugene Pitt, a founding member of the Jive Five, died on June 29, 2018. The Jive Five were a doo-wop group that came out of Brooklyn, New York, forming in 1959. Their biggest success came with their initial release, My True Story, which spent 12 weeks in the top 40, including four weeks in the top 10 in 1961. Fans of memory in top 40 music might recall the Jive 5 was included in our seventh episode, which covered September 4, 1961, a week when the Jive 5 stood in at number 7 in that week's countdown with My True Story. Long after they stopped charting, the Jive Five were the a cappella sound of the jingles for the Nickelodeon television network. Eugene Pitt was 80 years old. Alan Longmuir of the Bay City Rollers died on July 2, 2018. Who remembers the excitement generated when that Scottish band came to the U.S. in 1975? Roller Mania, as it was called, resulting from the band being one of the top-selling acts in Britain, was rolled out in the U.S. in an attempt to recapture the Beatles' magic from a little more than a decade prior. I remember watching their U.S. television debut on the short-lived ABC program Saturday Night with Howard Cosell. The Bay City Rollers hit number one twice in the U.K. with the songs Bye Bye Baby and Give a Little Love. They did the same in the U.S. with their first American single, S-S-S-Saturday Night, which topped the charts for a week in January 1976. They had five other top 40 hits in the U.S., including two other top 10s, You Made Me Believe in Magic and Money Honey. Among their other hits were Rock and Roll Love Letter and I Only Want to Be With You. Alan Longmuir left the Bay City Rollers in 1976 when the group's success was at its peak. He came back to the Rollers in 1978. Longmuir died in Scotland at 70 years of age. 
Vince Martin was a songwriter and folk singer and a member of the singing group The Tarriers. He died on the 6th of July, 2018. The Tarriers had two big hit singles in the 1950s, Cindy O Cindy and The Banana Boat Song. Cindy O Cindy spent 15 weeks in the top 40 and got as high as number 12 for three non-consecutive weeks, first in November 1956 and then again in December. The Banana Boat Song enjoyed a 16-week top 40 stay, which included seven weeks in the top 10 and three weeks at number 6 in early 1957. Their version of the Banana Boat Song was on the charts at the exact same time as Harry Belafonte's better-known version, which peaked one notch higher at number 5. The Tarriers were a four-man group, which included Alan Arkin, who left the group in 1958 to pursue what would prove to be a long and Academy Award-winning acting career. That award was for Best Supporting Actor in 2006 for his role in Little Miss Sunshine. Later on, Eric Weisberg joined the Tarriers. Fans of the movie Deliverance will remember Weisberg for the extremely popular Dueling Banjos. After the Tarriers, Vince Martin worked with Fred Neal and was popular in the Greenwich Village folk music scene in the early 60s. Their album, Tear Down These Walls, influenced the likes of The Birds, The Grateful Dead, and The Lovin' Spoonful. Martin also released some solo albums. A documentary about Martin's life called Vagabondo was made in 2010. Martin died at the age of 81. Tab Hunter died on July 8, 2018 at 86 years of age. So why are we including this Hollywood star in a memory and top 40 music memory jogger? Well, don't forget about Tab Hunter's success as a singer. Hunter, who was born Arthur Andrew Kelm in Manhattan, hit the top 40 three times with 99 Ways in 1957, I'll Be With You in Apple Blossom Time in 1959, and, most significantly, with the smash hit Young Love. Young Love was in the top 40 for 17 weeks, 12 of those in the top 10, and 6 of those at number 1 in February and March 1957. Young Love was the fourth biggest single of the year, her Billboard's year-end chart for 1957. As a 15-year-old, Hunter lied about his age and joined the Coast Guard, which discharged him a year later when it learned his real age. On the acting side, Hunter may be best known for his role as Joe Hardy in the film Damn Yankees. Stan Lewis, the founder of Jewel Records, died on July 15, 2018. Stan Lewis' first claim to fame was co-writing the Dale Hawkins hit record, Susie Q, which spent 19 weeks in the Hot 100 in 1957, five of those in the top 40. That recording of the song is on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. This is the same song Creedence Clearwater Revival covered in 1968, and which spent nine weeks in the top 40, peaking at number 11 in November of that year. But Lewis is best known for Jewel Records. His record companies had over a thousand releases in R&B, gospel, jazz, pop, country, and rock, and included stars such as Fontella Bass, Ike and Tina Turner, Mickey Gilley, and John Fred and his Playboy Band. The latter had the most successful individual release from Lewis's labels. That was the song Judy in Disguise with Glasses. 
which we will talk about again in a little bit. Lewis was the recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award from Offbeat Magazine in 2003 and is an inductee in the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. He died at the age of 91. Eddie Willis, a member of the famed Motown studio group The Funk Brothers, died on August 20, 2018. The Funk Brothers played on most Motown records from the time the label was founded in Detroit in 1959 until that label relocated to L.A. in 1972. Eddie Willis played guitar for the Funk Brothers that entire time. After his Funk Brothers tenure, Willis toured with Eddie Kendricks and played for around 20 years with the Four Tops. Willis also played on Phil Collins' 2010 album, Going Back, which featured covers of Motown and Soul Standards from the 1960s. Eddie Willis was 82 when he passed away. Guitarist Ed King died on August 22, 2018. He was first with the 1960s rock band Strawberry Alarm Clock and then joined Leonard Skinnerd. The Glendale, California native was a founding member of Strawberry Alarm Clock, which had two top 40 hits. There was Tomorrow, which got to number 23 in February 1968. This followed the big hit Incense and Peppermints, which spent 14 weeks in the top 40. That included nine weeks in the top 10 and a week at number one in November 1967. An early version of Skinnerd called The One Percent opened for Strawberry Alarm Clock in 1968, and Ed King liked them so much he told Ronnie Van Zant to keep him in mind should his band ever need him. That finally happened in 1972, and King joined Skinnerd. I saw the Leonard Skinner documentary, If I Leave Here Tomorrow, very shortly before King's death, and I recall from that program how it was King who came up with the famous opening riff to the Skinnerd classic, Sweet Home Alabama. In fact, it's King's voice you hear counting them in at the song's start. You will hear it when you tune in to our companion playlist for this Memory and Top 40 Music episode on Spotify. King wrote or co-wrote several other Skinnerd songs, including Saturday Night Special. King left Skinnerd in 1975, as the band's rowdy behavior became too much for him. He joined the reunited version of Skinnerd in 1987 and stayed with them until 1996. Ed King was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with all the group's members prior to the devastating 1977 plane crash, which killed Ronnie Van Zant, guitarist Steve Gaines, and backup singer Cassie Gaines. Ed King was 68 at the time of his death. British songwriter and record producer Tony Hiller died on August 26, 2018. He was 71. Hiller co-wrote and produced the big hit for The Brotherhood of Man, United We Stand. United We Stand spent 10 weeks in the top 40 in 1970, peaking at number 13 in early July. Actually, its peak was the week before the debut of Casey Kasem's American Top 40 radio program. United We Stand has been recorded by over 100 different acts and was the theme song at the end of the 1976-77 ABC TV show The Brady Bunch Hour. Andy Williams, The Miracles, Ray Stevens, Sonny and Cher, Elton John, Olivia Newton-John, The Osmonds, Glenn Campbell, and The Hollies have all recorded songs written by Tony Hiller. Don Gardner died on September 5, 2018, at 87 years of age. 
Gardner was an R&B singer, songwriter, and drummer. Along with D.D. Ford, Gardner had the 1962 hit I Need Your Loving, which spent six weeks in the top 40, getting up to number 20 for two weeks in the summer of 62. I Need Your Loving and Don't You Worry both went top 10 on the R&B charts in 1962. Joe, Eugene, Alan, Vince, Tab, Stan, Eddie, Ed, Tony, and Don. Thanks for the music and the memories. Now let's get back to part one of our Aretha Franklin twin bill on memory in top 40 music. Aretha's next single released on Atlantic Records became the signature song for the rest of her illustrious career. This song was written and originally released by Otis Redding in 1965. Redding's recording reached number 35 on the pop charts, number 4 on the R&B charts. The song is Respect, and it became a number 1 smash for Franklin, not just on the Billboard pop charts, but also on the R&B and Cashbox charts. Respect spent 11 weeks in the top 40, 7 of those in the top 10, including 2 weeks atop the charts in early June 1967. Respect garnered two Grammy Awards for Franklin for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording and Best Rhythm and Blues Solo Vocal Performance, Female. The song was later inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame and was number five on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, published in December 2004. Respect was also placed on the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress in 2002, the very first year of the registry's existence. The National Recording Registry is a list of sound recordings that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically important and or inform or reflect life in the United States. Respect became an anthem for the civil rights and women's rights movements. It was also the recording that propelled Franklin to international stardom as it went top 10 in Canada, the Netherlands, and Great Britain. I'm Spoken Joe, and you're listening to Memory in Top 40 Music. In this episode, we're looking at the Top 40 career of Aretha Franklin. Remember to tune in to this episode's companion playlist on Spotify. The free Spotify account is all you need to enjoy our companion playlists. Before the summer of 67 was over, Franklin was back in the Top 10 with the song Baby I Love You. Baby I Love You was written by Ronnie Shannon, who had also written I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. Baby I Love You spent five weeks in the top ten, all but one of those at number five. The lone exception was the week of September 9th, 1967, when the song reached its peak position at number four. Baby I Love You was Franklin's third number one on the R&B charts. Before 1967 came to an end, Aretha Franklin added two more classic songs to her catalog. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman became her fourth top ten hit of the year. It spent eight weeks in the top 40, three of those in the top ten, including two weeks in November at number eight. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman was written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin, with a writing credit also extended to Jerry Wexler. Carol King would record the song herself, including it on her incredible 1971 album, Tapestry. Franklin performed the song at the 2015 Kennedy Center Honors in support of King, who herself was an honoree that year. 
You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman peaked at number two on the R&B chart. In the very last chart of 1967, December 30th, Aretha Franklin was once again in the top ten, this time with Chain of Fools, which spent seven of its 11 top 40 weeks in the top ten. It peaked for two weeks in January 1968 at number two, while hitting number one on both the Cashbox and the Rhythm and Blues charts. Are you interested in knowing which song prevented Chain of Fools from reaching number one on the pop chart? It was the only top 40 hit by John Fred and his Playboy band. A song we mentioned a little while ago, Judy in Disguise with Glasses. I'll pause while you scratch your head over that one. The title, Judy in Disguise with Glasses, was a parody of the Beatles' Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. What's more, Judy in Disguise knocked the Beatles' Hello Goodbye out of the top spot when it ascended to number one on January 20th, 1968. When he first heard the Beatles' tune, John Fred thought they were singing Lucy in Disguise with Diamonds. Judy in Disguise was a huge hit. It spent 13 weeks in the top 40, eight of those in the top 10, with two weeks at number one. The record sold over a million copies and went gold. If the title Judy in Disguise with Glasses does not ring a bell, give it a listen on our Spotify playlist accompanying this special Aretha Franklin episode and see if you recognize it. Now, perhaps seeing the monstrous success Miss Franklin was having over at Atlantic Records, Columbia tried to capitalize. It reached back to Aretha's 1964 Columbia album, Running Out of Fools, and released as a single the song Mockingbird, the song written by Inez and Charlie Fox. They hit number seven with the song back in 1963, though most of us are familiar with the number five hit in 1974 by Carly Simon and then-husband James Taylor. This was not the same Mockingbird recorded by Eminem, but it was the same song Toby Keith released with his daughter Crystal in 2004. As for Franklin's version of Mockingbird, it spent two weeks at number 94 in December 1967. Columbia Records also released an Aretha Franklin album in September 1967 entitled Take a Look. One of the songs on that album was Follow Your Heart, which was written by Van McCoy. McCoy was a prolific writer, but he's best remembered for his huge 1975 dance hit The Hustle, which reached number one and was a Grammy winner for Best Pop Instrumental Performance. To finish off with 1967, that year, Aretha Franklin placed three songs on Billboard magazine's year-end compilation of the biggest singles of the year. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You came in at number 75, Baby I Love You at number 59, and Respect way up at number 13 for the year. 1968 was another great year for Aretha on the charts. Not only did she start the year with Chain of Fools already in the top 10, she would hit the top 10 four more times that year. Let's take a look. Sweet, Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone was written by Aretha Franklin and her husband, Ted White. It debuted in the Hot 100 all the way up at number 31 in March 1968 and would spend 12 weeks in the 40. Seven of those weeks were spent in the top 10, five of those at number 5. Honey by Bobby Goldsboro was number one for four of those five weeks. Otis Redding and Sittin' on the Dock of the Bay held the top spot the other week. Sweet Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone enjoyed three weeks atop the R&B chart. 
Sweet Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone was followed by Ain't No Way, a song penned by Aretha's younger sister, Carolyn. It was actually the B-side to Sweet Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone, but also enjoyed top 40 success of its own. Ain't No Way spent seven weeks in the top 40, peaking for two weeks at number 16 in May 1968. One of the background vocalists on Ain't No Way was Sissy Houston, mother of Whitney Houston. It was the first of a number of Aretha's songs on which Sissy Houston would perform over the years. I mentioned Aretha's younger sister Carolyn. Carolyn Franklin had a singing career of her own and found modest success, placing one record on the Soul Singles chart, 1969's It's True, I'm Gonna Miss You. She was a backing singer for Sister Aretha in addition to her songwriting work. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, Chain of Fools, Sweet Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone, and Ain't No Way all came from the album Lady Soul, though the album wasn't released until January 1968 after Natural Woman had already completed its chart run and Chain of Fools was already in the top ten. Just five months after the release of the Lady Soul album came the album Aretha Now. Aretha's next single, Following Ain't No Way, and the first from Aretha Now was Think, a song written by Aretha and Ted White. Think became Aretha's seventh top ten pop hit, reaching number seven for two weeks in June of 68. The song had a nine-week top 40 run, with four of those spent in the top ten. Think was a number one R&B hit. The flip side of Think was Aretha's version of You Send Me, the old Sam Cooke classic from 1957. Though a B-side, it was also popular enough to chart itself, getting to number 56 in July. Aretha re-recorded Think for the Blues Brothers movie in 1980. She recorded it once again in the late 80s when it was used as the theme for a Mothers Against Drunk Driving public service announcement. In addition to the memories these great Aretha Franklin songs bring back, let's see what was going on in the world in April 1967 when Aretha made her top 10 debut. Lyndon B. Johnson was President of the United States. The United States Department of Transportation opened for business. The first Boeing 737 aircraft made its maiden flight. At the 39th Academy Awards, the film A Man for All Seasons was named Best Picture, while Paul Schofield for A Man for All Seasons and Elizabeth Taylor for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf won the Best Actor and Best Actress Awards, respectively. NASA launched Surveyor 3 on April 17th, and it landed on the moon on April 20th. This was the third lander of the U.S. Surveyor Program set to explore the surface of the moon in advance of the upcoming Apollo landings. On April 23rd, the Russians launched Soyuz 1, and cosmonaut Vladimir Komarov became the first in-flight casualty when the descent module crashed into the ground due to a parachute failure. After 410 games in Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, the Dodgers had their first home baseball game rained out on April 21st. After a military coup in Greece, Konstantinos Kolya became the nation's premier. The daughter of Joseph Stalin defected to the U.S. Expo 67 opened in Montreal. Boxer Muhammad Ali refused induction into the U.S. Army and was stripped of his heavyweight boxing title. Famous births in April 1967 included U.S. Olympic swimmer Dana Torres, musician and songwriter Liz Fair, 
actress Maria Bello, and baseball star Omar Vizquel. Famous deaths in April 1967 included Al Lewis, who co-wrote the lyrics for the song Blueberry Hill, and West German Chancellor Conrad Adenauer. The top 10 songs for the week of April 15, 1967, the week that Aretha Franklin made her top 10 debut, were at number 10, Jimmy Mack by Martha and the Vandellas. Number 9 was Aretha Franklin, her first ever week in the top 10 with I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. The Mamas and the Papas were at number 8 with Dedicated to the One I Love. Tommy James and the Shondells and I Think We're Alone Now were in at number 7. The Five Americans had the number 6 song with Western Union. A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You by the Monkees was the number 5 song. The Four Tops were at number 4 with Bernadette. Petula Clark had the number 3 song, This Is My Song. At number 2, The Turtles and Happy Together. And the number one song, the week of April 15th, 1967, when Aretha Franklin made her top 10 debut, was Something Stupid by Nancy Sinatra, with some help from her dad, Frank. In 1969, Atlantic Records would release a greatest hits album, Aretha's Gold. But in August of 1968, a song which would appear on that collection made its debut on the charts. The House That Jack Built had a quick eight-week stint in the 40, with two of those weeks spent up at number six in September 1968. The very same week The House That Jack Built debuted in the top 40, another song from Aretha Now also made its top 40 debut. I Say a Little Prayer was written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David for Dion Warwick, and it became a big hit for Warwick in 1967, getting as high as number four. Aretha included her version of I Say a Little Prayer on Aretha Now, and just ten months after Warwick had it in the top ten, Aretha accomplished the same. Aretha's version made it to number ten in October 1968. That was its lone week in the top ten, among the ten weeks the song spent in the top forty. It took a full three months before Aretha's next song appeared in the top 40. He says with tongue planted firmly in cheek, Seesaw was the song, and it was a remake of the 1965 record by Don Covey. It was a top 10 R&B hit for Covey, though he didn't crack the top 40 on the pop chart. Aretha, however, had an eight-week top 40 run with Seesaw, getting as high as number 14, the position where it spent three weeks in December of 68. 1968 wasn't a bad year on the charts for Aretha at all, was it? She had five top ten pop hits that year, including Chain of Fools, which ended 1967 and started 1968 in the top ten. She placed three songs on Billboard magazine's year-end compilation of the biggest songs of the year, Think at number 94, I Say a Little Prayer at number 93, and Sweet Sweet Baby, Since You've Been Gone at number 46. Oddly enough, Chain of Fools, which was in the top 10 in December 1967 and January 1968, did not make the year-end top 100 either year because of the way the song's chart time split those two years. On February 16, 1968, Aretha had a day in her honor and was presented with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference Drumbeat Award for Musicians by Martin Luther King, less than two months before his death. She would perform Precious Lord at King's memorial service in April of that year. In May of 68, 
Franklin toured for the first time outside of the United States and was on the cover of Time magazine on June 28th. It is also generally believed to have been in 1968 when, at the Regal Theater in Chicago, that legendary Chicago disc jockey Purvis Spann bestowed the name Queen of Soul on Aretha. 1969 proved to be another solid year on the charts for Aretha Franklin, as she landed another five songs in the top 40. The first of those songs was My Song, which spent two weeks in the top 40, the last week of 1968 at number 36, and the first week of 1969 at number 31. The next week it dropped to 41, its final week in the Hot 100. My Song was a number one R&B chart topper for Johnny Ace back in 1952, the first of three number one hits he had on the R&B charts. Aretha's version was a top 10 R&B hit. Next up was another cover, this of the classic song The Wait by The Band. Written by Robbie Robertson, Aretha's version outperformed the band's record on the U.S. pop charts. The band only got as high as number 63 with the song, which is really hard to fathom, especially given that Rolling Stone magazine listed it at number 41 on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Pitchfork Media credited it as the 13th best song of the 1960s, and it has been named by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Aretha had a top 20 hit with her sole version of The Wait. Her record spent six weeks in the top 40, peaking at number 19 on March 22nd, and featured on slide guitar Dwayne Allman. The Weight was included on Franklin's This Girl's in Love With You album, which wasn't released until January 1970, but which contains several other top 40 hits for Aretha that we'll discuss shortly. That album title came from Aretha's version of the Burt Bacharach Hal David song This Guy's in Love With You, a big number one hit for Herb Alpert in 1968. Aretha had a couple of remakes of very popular songs which made the Hot 100, but not the Top 40. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles' Tracks of My Tears, and the big Glen Campbell hit, Gentle on My Mind. Her next top 40 hit was I Can't See Myself Leaving You, which had a six-week top 40 run, peaking for two weeks at number 28 in late May 1969. From the album Aretha Now, I Can't See Myself Leaving You was a number three hit on the R&B charts. Next from the album This Girl's In Love With You was the hit Share Your Love With Me, a song which would later also be covered by the band, along with several others including Kenny Rogers. Rogers' version would hit number one on the adult contemporary charts in 1981, number five on the country charts, and was a number 14 hit on the pop charts. Franklin did Rogers one better on the pop charts as she took the song to number 13 for two weeks in September of 69. All told, Franklin's recording of Share Your Love With Me spent nine weeks in the top 40, and it was also a number one hit on the Soul Singles chart. By the way, in August 1969, the R&B charts had been renamed to the Soul Singles chart by Billboard. It would remain the Soul Singles chart until June 1982, when the chart was renamed again, this time to the Black Singles chart. Also from the album This Girl's In Love With You was a hit which Franklin borrowed from the great Lennon-McCartney songbook. 
It was Eleanor Rigby, originally found on the Beatles' Revolver album and later included in the animated film Yellow Submarine. The Beatles took Eleanor Rigby to number 11 in 1966. Aretha's version spent seven weeks in the top 40 and got up to number 17 in December of 69. Eleanor Rigby was one of two Lennon-McCartney songs to appear on This Girl's In Love With You, the other being Let It Be. Aretha's version of Let It Be was actually released before the Beatles' own version, which didn't come out until March 1970. Next up for Aretha was the song Call Me, the front end of a two-sided hit backed by Son of a Preacher Man, made famous by Dusty Springfield. Aretha wrote Call Me, which had a nine-week top 40 run. It reached its peak of number 13 in April 1970, where it spent two weeks. The number one song for the two weeks Call Me spent at number 13 were Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water and then the Beatles' Let It Be. We already talked about Let It Be, more to come on Bridge Over Troubled Water in our second Aretha Franklin episode. By the way, Call Me hit number one on the Soul Singles chart and was ranked as the 100th most popular song for the year in Billboard's year-end chart for 1970. In August 1970, Franklin released her new album, Spirit in the Dark. The album didn't sell as well as her previous releases. In fact, it was her first Atlantic Records album not to make the top 20 on the Billboard album chart. But it did produce two successful singles. The first of those was the title track. Spirit in the Dark was in the top 40 for five weeks, getting up to number 23 in June 1970. This song, written by Aretha, featured the Dixie Flyers, one of the most in-demand session groups in the early 1970s. The Dixie Flyers can also be heard on the other hit single from Spirit in the Dark, Don't Play That Song. This song was written by Atlantic Records co-founder Ahmet Erdogan and Betty Nelson, the wife of soul singer Ben E. King. King had a hit with the song in 1962. Franklin's version spent five weeks at number one on the soul singles chart, and on the top 40 pop chart, it had an eight-week run, peaking for two weeks at number 11 in September 1970. Do you know which song was the first Elton John placed on the Billboard Hot 100? It was Border Song, and it didn't do too much. The song spent five non-consecutive weeks on the chart, spending a week as high as number 92 in August 1970. In November of that year, Aretha Franklin released her version of Border Song, and once again, she outperformed the original artist. Aretha's version of the song, of course written by Elton and Bernie Taupin, snuck into the top 40 in December, where it spent two weeks at number 37. Playing Hammond organ on the song was Billy Preston. Elton's release was simply entitled Border Song. Franklin's version was entitled Border Song, Holy Moses. The song would not appear on a Franklin album release until its inclusion on Young, Gifted, and Black, released in January 1972. That album, by the way, included another Franklin cover of a Lennon-McCartney tune, this time, The Long and Winding Road. And that brings us to the conclusion of Part 1 of our two-episode special on the Top 40 career of the late Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. If you're a new listener to Memory and Top 40 Music, and you're wondering why you didn't hear any Aretha Franklin songs during the show, it's because of copyright laws and licensing, which keeps music off podcasts. 
But we do have our companion Spotify playlists. All you need is the free Spotify account. Search for Memory in Top 40 so you can enjoy our Aretha Franklin companion playlists. What did you hear in this episode that brought back a memory? Please share it. Send a note to memory at spokenjoe.com. Episodes of Memory and Top 40 Music are available on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and some feedback, and please subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to Memory and Top 40 Music. I'm Spoken Joe.